There was this thing on Twitter a while ago, I don't know if you're on Twitter, you're probably, maybe you're not, but there was this thing that was kind of going round and it was people sharing silly ideas about a pretend conversation between God and an angel or Jesus, let's not get bogged down in theology, God and some other being about the conceptualization of animals. And so they would do this thing and it was, it just, it made me laugh. So let me just give you a few examples. So it was like God creating spiders. So God said, make it have eight legs. And this other being is like, okay, that seems a bit excessive, but fine. He's like, okay, and eight eyes all right, maybe you just need to calm down a little bit and give it a rope that comes out of its... <laughs> so God creating praying mantises. He was like, create me an insect that does karate. All right, that's a bit weird, but it sounds kind of fun. Now make the wife bite its husband's head off. <laughs> All right, just chill out, God. God creating giraffes. Take a horse. Yeah, okay. Now give it white and brown spots. All right, that's not the weirdest request you've come up with so far. Now stretch its legs and its neck really high. All right, I give up now. Anyway, it made me laugh. There was a whole load of them. You can get online. You don't need to be on Twitter. You can just search for it. It's hilarious. There's hundreds of these. Uh, just, it made me laugh. But do you know what? God doesn't create anything just for fun. It's fun to kind of look at those examples, but God doesn't do anything just for fun. There's nothing that he puts his hand to. There's nothing that he speaks out as his word that he does just for fun. There's intentionality behind it all. And maybe you're thinking, but what about wasps? But there's nothing, I don't know why, but there's nothing that God puts his hand to that he doesn't do for a reason. And that includes me and it includes you. There is nothing he does that doesn't have a reason. And so this morning, we're going to look at this verse. It's Jeremiah 29, verse 11. You may well know it very well, but we're going to look at this as our final part in this series, our final word to live by. And it says this, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. What a verse that is just filmed with encouragement. It's filled with encouragement. You know, we talk a lot here about God having a plan and a purpose for each and every one of our lives. And I wholeheartedly believe that each and every one of us was put here for such a time as this, that God is actually purpose-driven. God has a purpose. God has plans and he's got great plans for you. He's got great plans for you. And yet for some of us, uh, the kind of purpose is maybe a bit unclear. And we hear messages about this and we think, but I don't really know what it is that God has put me here for. I don't know why I'm here. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I'm not sure how it is that I fit into this picture of the body of Christ. And, and that kind of leads into maybe feeling a bit lost and a bit hopeless and a bit helpless. And so my hope is that as we look at this final scripture in our series, this final word to live by that we can declare over our lives that maybe it will give you some confidence and some assurance that God does have a plan for your life. 
So I just want to play for you a quick video um, before we crack on. And in the, on the 15th of October 2017, some of you will have been here and you'll remember this, but we relaunched as Hope Church Lytham. And this was our promo video for the relaunch. I still get goosebumps watching that. It was just such an exciting moment for this church as we kind of launched into a new season. And actually those words and those ideas that were projected in that video, they weren't just for then, they weren't just for 2017, but they are just as relevant to us right now, five years on. It's who we are, it's who we are called to be as this local body of Christ. And so last week, last week we talked about faith and if you missed that then I encourage you to go and jump on our website or whatever and catch up. But we, we talked about kind of not living on, on the fumes of past faith but actually that what we need to have is a now faith, something that is going to fuel us and empower us and equip us right now. And so we looked at faith last week and this week we're going to look at the idea of hope and Faith and hope, they just go hand in hand. So it, it kind of made sense to tie these last two together at the end of this series. But what is hope? What is hope? I feel like it's one of those words that over time has just kind of been diluted and, and watered down. And we actually kind of band this word around without really having the weight to it, without kind of the punch that it really kind of requires. And, you know, we're like, oh, I hope that new movie is going to be really good or I hope there's something nice for dinner tonight or I hope the kids behave or whatever it is we just kind of say oh I hope the weather's nice I hope there's good cake after the service it's going to be good Malcolm made it this Sunday (laughs) but we use this language don't we we ban this word around hope but when we say hope do we actually mean hope in the way that it's supposed to be in the way that it's supposed to mean and so we're going to spend some time this morning looking at this word hope about what it really means and then at the end I'm going to kind of wrap up this series talking a little bit about purpose and about God's plans. Does that sound good? If it doesn't it's tough. Okay so here's four things about hope. Aaron was here a few uh, month, a month or so ago and he said that good preachers have three, but he was even better, so he had four. So I'm taking his lead and I'm going to have four, four things about hope. And the first one is this. Hope is expectant. Hope is expectant. You know, true hope, biblical hope, is a confident expectation. A confident expectation. It's not casual. It's not laced with doubt. It's anticipation for what God will do. Anticipation for what God will do. And the Psalms, they're filled with words of hope. In fact, the whole Bible is is filled with words of hope. In Isaiah 40, it, it assures us, sorry, that those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. And then even Job, some of you know the story of Job and everything that he went through. He was able to say, though he slay me, I will hope in him. I will hope in him. Even through everything that he went through, he was still able to hope in God, hope in his saviour. And so this hope that we're talking about, it's a hope that is filled with certainty. 
It's a hope that is filled with expectation and there's no room for doubt when we hope in God. There's no room for doubt we're, when we're hoping about something, when we're hoping for something. We've got to ask ourselves, is there a confident expectation? Are we hoping for something, but in the back of our mind, we're kind of thinking, this is probably not going to happen. Oh, I hope that this happens, but I'm almost certain that it won't. Or when we hope for something, when we're hoping for God to work something out in our future, in our lives, do we have that expectation that actually God will come through for us? Because who knows God is faithful? Who knows God is good? Who knows God loves us and he is for us? And so when we pray and we hope for God to move in our lives, we can have confident expectation. So hope is confident, number one. Number two, hope demonstrates trust in God. It demonstrates trust in God. You know, throughout scripture, we are warned about not putting our trust in things that aren't of God. Not putting our hope and our trust in anything other than God. And he talks about, you know, we're reminded not to trust in riches, not to trust in idols or foreign powers or military or, or even other people. We're only to put our trust in God. To hope in the Bible is to firmly place your trust in what God says. And it's not a, a oh, I hope so, but rather I hope because he said so. Not, oh, I hope so, but I hope because he said so. We talked last week, didn't we, that when we hear a word from God, we can have faith. When God speaks, our hope turns from wishful thinking to confident expectation. I hope because he said so. Because he said so. And there's something about this idea of trust. In Proverbs 3, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. To trust in God means we don't know everything. To trust in God means we don't need to know everything. We don't need to know the details. <clears throat> we don't need to know necessarily where we're heading or how we're going to get there. We just need to trust in God and he will guide our steps. And you know, there's a freedom in this trust. There's a, when we grasp hold of this, there's a freedom that comes from trusting in God. You know, it's been a while since I've been on a plane. In fact, it's been five years since I've been on a plane. But I remember all those years ago that I love going on planes. Do you know why I love going on planes? Probably more so if I didn't have kids with me. But the reason I love going on planes is because I can get on the plane. I know where I'm headed and it's flipping going to be a good time when I get there. But I don't need to worry about how this giant hunk of metal is going to get in the air or how the heck we're going to navigate not being able to see anything to get to where it is that we're going. I can just sit and relax, put my headphones on, watch a movie, read a book. I can just sit and chill out and enjoy the ride. 
And that's what it's like for us when we put our trust in God because we don't need to know how it all works. We don't need to know all of the details. We don't even know how it is that we're going to get there. We just need to trust in God that actually the place that we're heading is going to be amazing. And we can trust in the one who is going to take us there. We can trust in him. Hope is expectant. Hope demonstrates trust. And thirdly, hope is foundational to our faith. Hope is foundational to our faith. Last week we looked at faith, Hebrews 11 verse 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And you know, the biggest thing that we can have hope for is our salvation. The biggest thing that we can have this, not wishful thinking, but confident expectation of is our salvation. That actually, when we said to God, I'm sorry for all of the things I have done wrong. I'm sorry that I mess up. I recognize you as Lord and Savior over my life. Would you come into my life and lead me all the rest of my days? We can be confident then. Our hope is that we can have confident expectation that he will save us. We can be confident. We can have hope in our salvation, in the power of Jesus. Billy Graham said this, For the believer, there is hope beyond the grave. Because Jesus Christ has opened the door to heaven for us by his death and resurrection. 1 Peter 1 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, because he has caused us to be born again into a living hope. We are a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know, hope is the foundation. It's the, it's the building blocks to our faith. And, you know, as we talked about this last week, maybe some of you spent some, t- spent some time this past week reading through Hebrews 11 and just being reminded again of those men and women of faith and everything that they hoped for in God and what God did for them and what he worked through them. And that included Abraham, who in, who in hope believed and then became the father of many nations. And you know, hope, it's foundational. It's like the building block to our faith. And, and actually, it grows when we face challenges. It grows when we face challenges. In Romans 5, it says we can rejoice in our sufferings. Who knows that's a challenge? We can rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, it says, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And so what's that, what that's saying is that as we walk through trials, as we walk through challenges, as we face barriers and, and conflicts and difficulties in our lives, as we endure these kind of pains and, and struggles, that actually all of that produces in us character. And then that character builds hope. And that hope does not put us to shame. It doesn't disappoint us. Why not? Because we're putting our hope on the rock that is Jesus Christ. Hope is expectant. Hope demonstrates trust. Hope is foundational to our faith. And then fourth, hope is an anchor. Hope is an anchor. It says in Hebrews 6, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul. 
It's firm and secure. It's strong and trustworthy. It's unwavering. It's unfailing. It's unmovable hope. Hope is an anchor. It is solid. It's there for us. And it's a picture of security, isn't it? That even when we're battered and beaten by the waves and the trouble of life, that actually we have an anchor. We have an anchor, this, this firm con- uh, point that we are connected to, this, this fixed point that isn't moving us, but it's steadying us and it's keeping us from, from floating and moving and drifting away from what God has called us to do and who he's called us to be. You see, when we grasp hold of the plans and purposes for God in our life, the enemy wants to knock us off course. The enemy is like the waves that are beating and battering the boat of our lives, trying to get us to drift away from the point of where we're heading. But if we anchor ourselves in God, this rock-solid, steady, immovable person, then we won't stray off course. We'll find ourselves maybe knocked a little bit, but coming back to where we're supposed to be. And so if you're feeling lost, if maybe you feel like you have strayed from the paths and the plans and purposes of God in your life, all you need to do is reconnect to that anchor, reconnect to God, reconnect to that solid, firm foundation of Jesus Christ. You might describe hope as a quiet, calm assurance that God is working even when you can't sense him. Even when you can't sense him. And that's a challenge, isn't it? Because we can have hope and it's easy to have hope when we can see that things are going well and we can see the progress in our lives and we can see maybe even the end in sight. But can we have hope? Can we have this confident expectation when we don't see God moving? Gary even said it before that, you know, when when we're almost oblivious to, to God at work and moving and speaking in our lives, can we still have that hope in those moments? Maybe when we don't even feel we are where we're supposed to be and those doubts become to creep in. When we're not experiencing God at work, Can we still have that hope? Can we still have that certainty, that confident expectations? Do we still have hope even in those times that God is working, that God is moving, that God is speaking? There's a challenge for us in Lamentations chapter 3. It says, yet I still dare to hope. Yet I still dare to hope. I love that. It's almost a challenge. It's almost like calling us out. Come on, do you, do you dare to hope? Do you have, did you ever dare people as a kid? I dare you to go and do that thing. Well, this, this chapter, this, uh, this verse is saying, I dare you to hope. Come on, come on, have a go if you think you're hard enough. I dare you to dream big. I dare you to hope for that impossibility. I dare you to ask for that impossible healing. I dare you to ask for that person who is so far from God to actually come to know him. I dare you to do it. I dare you, double dare you, then you have to do it. Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. This is why we can dare to hope, because his love never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. 
His mercies are new every morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, therefore, because of all of that stuff, I will hope in him. Can we dare to hope? I love that. Can we dare to hope when we're feeling helpless? When we're feeling hopeless? When we're feeling tired and weary? When we're feeling like God isn't even with us anymore? When we feel like we're alone in all of this? When we feel just so beaten and broken and battered that we can't go on anymore? Can we dare to hope? Can we dare to hope that actually his mercies never cease? That he is faithful through it all. That his love endures and that in him we have a future. Hope is expectant. It demonstrates trust. It's foundational to our faith and it's an anchor for us in times of trouble. So let's just remind ourselves again of that key verse today, that, that word to live by from Jeremiah 29. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. So we know we can have hope. We know how we can have hope. And we've talked about that, that actually we should have hope in Jesus. And it's, it's not a wishful thinking. It's a, it's a confident expectation. We can hope with boldness, with faithfulness, with courage. But this verse, it also talks about a future. It talks about God's plans for us. If you had a dream, I don't know if ever you have dreamed about your dream house. If I had all the money in the world, if... If, the limit, if there was no limit to what could happen, this is the house that I would live in. And you have this dream and this picture of this beautiful house, whether you're into like an old rustic converted barn kind of thing, or you want this all glass, marble, modern, uh, simplistic kind of thing. Whatever it is that you're picturing as your dream house, I can almost guarantee that you wouldn't just pop into B&Q buy a few bits and then crack on and hope that you would see this magnificent, beautiful house come to being. You need to make a plan. You need to make a plan and actually you're probably going to need to rope in some help, some architects and some surveyors and and all kinds of people to help you create a plan and then see this plan come to fruition. And that's no different with us. Because God has this vision for you and for me and for our lives. He has this picture of actually just how magnificent we could be. And it's beautiful. In fact, it's far greater than anything that we could dream up or ask or imagine. And he's looking at you and he's saying, wow, I have got this incredible picture of the finished work of you. But he's got a plan to get there. He's got a plan to get there. He's got a route to take in order to get you there. And and actually, he will get you there. If you stay faithful to him, you will become this beautiful, magnificent creation. When we meet him in glory, we will be everything that he has created and designed us to be. But he's got a plan for us right now. In our time here on earth, 
of how he's going to get us there. And he's going to keep on working on his plan. He's going to keep on going through the steps of this plan until he sees it through to completion. And do you know what I love about this plan that God has got for our lives? It's that it's, it's a personal plan. God's plan for your life to get you to this beautiful, magnificent picture of the completed work of you is totally different to his plan for me. Probably because there's far more work he needs to do in me than in you. But he's got this incredible plan and it's a personal plan because each and every one of us is unique. We were all designed differently. We were all wired differently. We all have different passions and different things that we are interested in. And so what we can't do, what we can't do is look at someone else and think, wow, they are so much further on this journey of faith than I am. So what I'll do is I'll copy them. Because their plan is obviously going very well. So I'll just mimic them and hope that I'll turn out as good as them. Well, if you follow their plan, then you might well turn out like them. But that is not as good as the plan that God has got for your life. Because you are unique. And so we have to follow God's plan for our life. So how do we do that? How do we do that? We can't copy someone else. We've got to seek God for ourselves. We've got to seek God for ourselves. We've got to walk with him. We've got to spend time with him. We've got to maybe even ask him, God, what is your will for my life? Can you give me a glimpse of, of what it might look like? Or if I can't handle that, then maybe just give me a glimpse of what the next step looks like. We've got to seek him for ourselves. God, what is your plan for me? What is your plan in my life? So it's a personal plan, but it's also a perfect plan. In Romans 12, it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, by testing you, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. He's got a plan for your life. He's got a plan for my life and it's a personal plan, but it's a perfect plan. It's a perfect plan. Ruth's a big fan of uh, Property Ladder. If you've ever seen Property Ladder, it's presented by the wonderful Sarah Beanie. And, and she makes suggestions to these budding property developers who are trying to make their, their purchased house into something that is amazing to then sell on for an incredible profit. And what they'll do in this show is that they'll tell Sarah all of their plans for this property. They're like, oh, we're going to convert this room into this and we'll knock down that wall and we'll create some extra space here and we'll put some storage there. And, and Sarah has this phrase that we, we joke about and we use quite a lot. And she says, I think. And then she goes on to share her thoughts. I think. And then something else. And inevitably, this couple, this family will completely disregard what Sarah has to say and, and go on and do their own thing and they pay the price for it. Because what they've chosen not to do is to listen to the person who has got this wealth of experience, the expertise that has got her to a place where she can present a show all about this. And they just go, 
Yeah, I think I've got a better idea of how this should go. And so they crack on and do their own thing. And then someone comes in to look at the house and they go, oh, well, I wish this had happened. And Sarah's like, told you so. But you know, it's the same with us and God that actually God's got a plan for our life. It's a perfect personal plan for our life. And yet sometimes (laughs) we look at it and we go, well... (laughs) I've got a good idea. Why don't we try this? And so we go off on our little tangents and we do the things that we think sound like they're going to be good for getting us to where God wants us to be. And he's looking at us going, well, I'll let you go off and I'll let you do that thing, but it's not going to work out. You'll come to realize that actually I know best because God's been creating for quite a while. I don't know if you're aware of that. He's been creating and working in people for some time. His CV is pretty good when it comes to creating people and making plans for lives. And so we are foolish to go off on our own, to think that we know better than creator God. And yet we do it, don't we, time and time again. We're like, oh, but I've got this great idea. Let's just give this a go. We'll see what happens. God's like, just do this. Well, let's. Let's just give this a go first and see what, just see what happens. And God lets us. I love that he lets us. It's like as parents, you know, we see our kids making choices and decisions and we know it's not the right decision. We know it's not going to help them out in their life, but we think, okay. I mean, if it's going to really hurt them, we won't let them do it. But if we think, well, maybe there's a lesson they can learn, we're like, okay, on you go. And then sure enough, at some point, they realise Oh, this wasn't a good idea, was it? And actually, mum knows best. It's normally mum, isn't it? Mum knows best. And so they come back. And we just need to be like that. We need to be humble enough. I think that's what it comes down to, isn't it? That we need to have the humility to say, do you know what? God knows best. God knows best. I might have some good ideas. I might have some great plans, but God knows best. God knows best. So let's just listen to him. Let's listen to him. He's got this personal plan. He's got this perfect plan for our lives. So let's walk in that. Let's walk in that. How do we do that then? Well, for starters, and this is far too simple for you all, and I know that, but we've got to spend time with God. You've got to spend time with God. We've got to be walking with him. We've got to be spending time in prayer. We've got to be spending time in his word. We've got to be intentional about spending time with God. If you want to know what his plan is for your life, you've got to spend time with him. And when we're praying, we can't just pray at him. We've got to have a conversation with him and hear what it is that he's got to say. We've got to spend time in his word, reading the wisdom that this book is full of, the promises that this book is full of. We've got to connect to church. We've got to surround ourselves with fellow believers. We need to walk with God and also we need to surrender to God's will. And that again comes back to this idea of humility, that actually we can be guilty of seeking God's uh, input into our lives We can be guilty, sorry, instead of seeking God's input, we're seeking his approval. We're looking for his stamp of approval on our plans instead of seeking his plan. So we've got to be seeking his plan. We've got to be surrendering to his will. And I think actually the truth is that God God will give us something 
that causes us, that costs us to surrender. And it'll just be something small, it'll just be something little, and it'll say, I want you to do this to see if we're there yet, to see if we're willing to surrender to him. It's this idea of living sacrifice that we've already touched on this morning. God will say, I want you to do this. And we need to see within ourselves if we have the humility to surrender to God's will, to surrender to his purpose. And actually, I believe that before he will reveal the fullness of his plan, he wants to just test the waters and see where you're at. Are you willing to surrender in this small area before I move you on to something a little bit bigger? And the good news is that unlike us, he's patient and he will wait and he will wait and he will wait and he will wait until we've come to that place of surrender. Until we've come to that place where we can say, God, your will be done in my life. Your will be done in my life and actually mean it. Not just say the words because we know that that's what we should say as good Christians, but actually say it and mean it. Say it and believe it. God, I surrender to you. I hand my life over to you. Your will be done in me. So we need to walk with God. We need to surrender to his will. And we need to pay attention to the way that we've been wired. We need to pay attention to the way that God has created us because he's created each and every one of us to fulfill a specific role in this world. And there's no one who can do it quite as well as you because God created that thing for you to do or for you to do that thing. If you don't do it, he'll find someone else. But you were the one he chose. You were the one he created. You were the one who designed to do it. And Peter encourages us. He says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. So use them well to serve one another. God has gifted you with something. God has put a passion and a fire in you for a specific area of ministry. So we've got to pay attention to the way that God has wired us. If you want to know what God's will is, if you want to know his plan for your life, a great place to start is asking yourself, what am I good at? What do I enjoy doing? What lights me up when I talk about it? What can I not stop sharing about? What am I always drawn to? Ask yourself, what is it that you love? That's a great place to start. And you know, these things that I've said this morning, it's by no means an exhaustive list. This is just one or two ideas of the way that we can go about finding God's purpose for our life. But we've got to do it. There are so many other things to do. You know, we've got to seek wisdom and input from other godly people. That's a great thing to do. To say, oh, I think that maybe God's calling me to do this. What, what do you think? We recently had some friends come to us and they've been given a new job opportunity. And they're like, we're going to push on this door, but we'd like you to pray into it. We'd like you to seek God and to see if you can give us some wisdom if this is right. It's good to ask other believers for wisdom. To get someone else to seek God. Because you might believe you're hearing from God. 
And you might be so confident that this is what God is calling me to do. But I believe that God will confirm that. That he will confirm that maybe two, three, four, five times from a whole bunch of other places. So you should be seeking other people and saying, I think that God is saying this. But before I plow on, before I press on, before I waste any time on this, can you seek God for me as well? And see what God's saying to you about this situation in my life. It's so good to seek input from other godly people. And we've got to spend time waiting on his Holy Spirit, haven't we? We've got to spend time in the stillness and the quietness that Jesus exampled for us in his life to go off and find a quiet place and just be in his presence. Not splurging all this stuff at God. I think this and I think this and I hope this and I hope that. But just waiting on him. God, what is it that you're saying to me? Is this right? I'm just going to sit in the quiet place and wait to hear from God. And so if this is an area of your life that you're struggling with, if you're maybe sitting here and thinking, I don't know how I fit into this picture of the body of Christ. I don't know what God's plan is for my life. I don't know what it is that I'm supposed to do next. Then please come and speak to me and Ruth. We would love to to pray for you on that, to seek God in that. In fact, we've got a tool that we use in our church and we've done it for ourselves. We've done it with many of you here. It's called a shape questionnaire can't for the life of me remember what it stands for, can you? Spiritual gifts, heart, which is passion, abilities, personality, experience, shape. So this is just a questionnaire that you can go through. And it's again, it's by no means a perfect thing. But we found that as we've done it in this congregation, that actually it churns out some incredible results. And you go through this questionnaire and you answer some questions and you just be honest with what it's asking you. And you'll find that actually out of this, it comes up with some ideas about the giftings that God has placed in your life. And I personally found, and I know that a number of you found, that actually the results that this questionnaire gave were surprising. And I was looking at it going, hmm, I was not expecting that, okay? But actually, it's one of those moments where you go, oh, that actually makes sense now. So if you've not done one of those and you would like to, come and speak to Ruth after the service for a change instead of me. That'd be cool um, because she would love to start you off on that journey. And it's, it really is great. It's a great opportunity to maybe see how you can start to play a part in this local church because as well as a, a wider purpose for your life, I believe God calls us to be local church to serve in this place, to play a part in making this work because the local church is the hope of its community. Like our VT showed, the local church, believers in a locality, are the hands and feet of Jesus to those in our community. So please come and chat to us. We would love to maybe do a shape questionnaire with you. We'd love to pray with you, to seek God for you and see what it is that God has got planned for your life. And that's exciting, isn't it? It's exciting because the destination is going to be amazing. We're getting on a plane of figuring out what it is that God's calling us to do and we can just kind of chill out and relax. There might be some turbulence on the way. We're getting knocked and battered, but actually we don't need to worry about any of that stuff because we can trust in the pilot. I don't know, maybe I'm stretching this analogy a little bit far. 
But it's good because we know that where we're heading is amazing. So we just need to get on that journey. We just need to take our seat. We need to get ready for an exciting time. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a future and a hope. Why don't we pray? God, we just thank you that you are awesome. That you are incredible, almighty, all-powerful, all-knowing. And I thank you that actually when there are times when we think we know best, that you have the grace to just let us make decisions, to let us walk on various paths, but you know best. So I pray that we will come to a realization wherever we are today, that we'll come to that realization that you know best, that your plan for our life is perfect. God, I thank you that we can have a hope in you. That confident expectation that whatever it is that you've said you will do in our lives, in our families, in our workplaces, in our schools, in our colleges, in this church, whatever you have said, we can hope, we can dare to hope that you will see it through to completion. That it's not wishful thinking, it's no, there's no room for doubt but that we can hope in the rock-solid foundation and promises of Jesus Christ. And so, God, I thank you for each and every person here in this place today. I thank you for everyone that calls Hope Church their home. I thank you that you have called us and equipped us and purposed us for such a time as this. God, I pray that even now, as we are sitting here in this moment, you'll begin to just rekindle that fire within us for the mission, for the ministry, for the area that you want us to work in. That God, even now we're sensing you speaking to us saying, this is it. This is it. And that we would have the boldness and we would have the confidence and that we would have the humility to begin to walk in that, to begin to seek confirmation from other people, that we would begin to just, just create that assuredness, that, that firmness, that solidity, that yes, you have called us to this. <clears throat> and that God, we would walk in it. That we would begin to take those steps of faith. That even when it looks, looks hard, it looks challenging, it looks scary, that God, we would take those steps of faith towards the plans and purposes that you have for our lives. And so, God, we just thank you for everything that you've done. We thank you that everything that you are doing and everything that you are going to do in us and through us by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name.